Thank you for tuning in to Hill Country Fellowship's audio podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired as you listen today. For more information, visit us online at hcfburnett.org. This is what we call Holy Week uh, throughout Christianity, uh, Palm Sunday. So if, if Jesus was born basically in 4 BC, like most people think, uh, it was basically 1,995 1, years ago on this day. He rode into Jerusalem as the triumphant king. Uh, it's when he said, uh, we're no longer being uh, a little bit quiet about this. Uh, we're going to make it big. Uh, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push the envelope because I, I've got one more week. Uh, and then I'm going to bring the death of death. And so uh, this Sunday, as Palm Sunday, you know, he just rode in triumphant. Uh, the cool thing about Jesus is he'd already won. Uh, he just had to, had to walk it all through and uh, may, maybe show the enemy uh, the, the depths of his defeat. But uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful story to, to read through all that went on in that last week of Jesus' life. Um, you know, the garden moment on a Thursday and then, of course, the, the sadness of Good Friday. But knowing that Sundays are coming, uh, which is next, uh, next Sunday on Easter uh, that we celebrate um, what I love about Jesus is we remember this as like a triumphant Sunday, but every Sunday is triumphant Sunday. Uh, we remember Easter as Resurrection Sunday, but every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. Uh, and every day, uh, death still stays dead. And that's a beautiful thing. Um, so we're in this, sto- in this series, Extraordinary. Uh, today, uh, we're looking at a specific story and, and really what the Lord did in the midst of people's lives um, who just turned to him. Uh, but I want to paint a picture first um, for us to, uh, to understand a little bit more of what we're going to read in a moment. Imagine your life just really, really going well. I mean, you're doing life in an amazing way. Things are going good. You, you look at your parents' lives, you're like, I'm doing actually a little bit better than my parents were. And uh, they had their ups and downs. I, I have almost all ups happening and it's just a good thing and praise God for that because it's not about me and life is just going really well. You have a lot of success, not a lot of hiccups, uh, not a lot of bumps in the road, uh, very little uh, potholes going on in your journey. It's just one that you would look at and go, man, tomorrow's probably just going to be better because that's what life keeps bringing me. And then all of a sudden, in, in one sentence, somebody says something and all of a sudden you have this major uh, opposition come in your life, this, this possible terror or this major uh, struggle that you're just hit with. News comes to you and all of a sudden it's, the, it's like, oh no, uh, I've never experienced anything like this. It was all going so well and, and I didn't even do anything to bring this on. Or, or maybe you do something ignorant or foolish or you make a mistake and it brings a possible calamity uh, into your life uh, as this, this terror comes along. Maybe it's health, maybe it's relationship. Maybe it is some kind of a sin struggle and you fall back into what once defined you uh, in, in, in a sin issue before Jesus Maybe it's a poor choice. Maybe it's pure evil against you that just despises you because of who you love in heaven. What do you do? What do you do when that happens? Second Chronicles chapter 20. 
We see this story about the power of praise. And and really we see uh, our big idea today. This is how we fight our battles. You can turn to it. You can look at it uh, with me or you can just listen. So there's this guy, Jehoshaphat. He's the king of Judah after the nation of Israel split. Uh, and, And he's actually done really well. His dad was up and down, ended down. He's basically, even when he's made a few minor mistakes, he turned to the Lord and he had just established judges in his nation and said, the main thing you're going to do is judge according to honoring God. I mean, wouldn't that be a big amen from in here? Uh, If all the judges judged only according to honoring God, that'd be pretty cool. And if if you had a leader that said, I'm only picking you guys to do that. Uh, and then I'm going to stay on you to make sure you do it. And I mean, things were going well. And then it says, after this, the judges thing, the armies of the Moabites, Ammonites, and some of the Munites, I don't know if you say it that way, but we are now, (laughs) declared war on Jehoshaphat. Messengers came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army from Edom is marching against you, and they're near. Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news and begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard at the temple of the Lord and he prayed. This is king. O Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who's in heaven. You are the ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty, and no one can stand against you. Oh, our God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people Israel arrived? And did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? You, your people settled here and built this temple to honor your name. They said, whenever we are faced with calamity, such as war, plague, or famine, we can come and stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. We can cry out to you to save us. You will hear us and rescue us. And now see what these armies are doing. You would not let your ancestors invade those nations when Israel left Egypt. So they went around them and did not destroy them. And now see their reward for us. They've come to throw us out of your land, which you gave us as an inheritance. Listen to this part, verse 12. Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We don't know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. As all the men of Judah stood before the Lord With their little ones and their wives and their children, the Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. His name was Jehaziel, and he was a Levite, a descendant of Asaph, and he said this as he's filled with the Spirit. Listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow... March out against them. You will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens to the wilderness. But you will not even need to fight. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He's with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. 
Then King Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same thing, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites from the clans of Kohath and Korah stood to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud shout early the next morning. The army of Judah went out to the wilderness. On the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, Listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be able to stand firm. Don't stand because you have belief. Believe and that will give you the strength to stand. I think it's very important. Believe in his prophets and you will succeed. In other words, the things said to them. They didn't have the Bible, so they had the words of the prophets. After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord, praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful, and lo- his faithful love endures forever. At the very moment they began to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir to start fighting amongst themselves. The armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Seir and killed every one of them. After they destroyed the army of Seir, they began attacking each other. So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point, coming on up, get over the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see not a single one of the enemy had escaped king jehoshaphat and his men went out hey a lot of goods here gather the plunder right they found vast amounts it was so much that it took them three days to collect it all on the fourth day they got they they gathered in the valley of blessing which got its name that day because this people praised and thanked the lord there It is still called the Valley of Blessing today. Then they returned to Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat leading, overjoyed that the Lord had given them victory over their enemies. They marched into Jerusalem, music playing, proceeding to the temple of the Lord. And when all the surrounding kingdoms heard that the Lord himself had fought against the enemies of Israel, the fear of God came over them. So Jehoshaphat's kingdom was at peace. For his God had given him rest on every side. That's, an, that's a crazy wild story. You look at Jesus as, as he's in the garden on what we, would, what we would remember this week on Thursday. And he does the exact same thing that these guys did here. These men, women, children, and babies did here. He, he said... I, I need your help, Father, right? We know that famous scene from the garden. He, he falls to his knees and he says, Father, help me. I, I, can't, I can't walk through this on my own power because what's coming is painful and horrendous physically, but worse spiritually because I'm going to take on the sins of all mankind. And so Jesus says, help me. He turns his face to heaven and says, I can only do this with your help. And then, and so we see him say that, and then we also see him do what we're always called to do. But it's not my will. I don't want to die this way, but it's not my will. Whatever you need to do, God, you do and give me the strength and power to walk it through. You need me to sing on my way to a battle where they want to annihilate our entire nation? I will do that. You want me to stop and pray instead of getting better at swinging my sword? I will do that. 
You want me to go all the way to the cross, Jesus said, to save all of mankind? I will absolutely do that. And here's the thing I love so much about Jesus. He gets us. He gets us. It's the whole story of Hebrews when you read the book of Hebrews. It's Jesus understanding us as human beings and all that we face and how he faced this world as a human being as well. So he does in Hebrews 2 what he does just to save us. Look at what it says in in Hebrews 2. Jesus, fully man. The author writes this, because God's children, you and I, are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son, Jesus, also became flesh and blood, for only as a human being could Jesus die. And only by dying could Jesus break the power of the devil, who had the power of death. Only in this way could Jesus set free. He's destroying the devil's hold on us. That's what set free means. The devil had a hold, and Jesus died in our place and set us free, breaking the devil's hold. He set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Some versions say he set free all of those and saved all of those who are scared to death of death. The main point of Christmas when we celebrate it was to bring about Easter that we celebrate. The main point of Jesus coming down here as a human being is so that Easter could happen and we could be set free once and for all and no more sacrifices, no more waiting, no more yearly uh, allowing someone like uh, in the Old Testament to, to do the sacrifices and make us right with God. Once and for all, Jesus would die on the cross so you and I could be set free. Yet we still have an enemy. And because Jesus did what he did and because Jesus gets us, he did what we read about in in Hebrews 10 where he finishes the story and he finishes the work of the enemy. Hebrews 10 verse 12 says, But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Then Jesus sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. There he awaits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. The message version says he waited for the enemies to cave in. For by that one offering, Jesus forever made perfect those who are being made holy. Those of us who have made a decision to follow Jesus, we are forever made perfect while being made holy. You're already and not yet. And it's okay. You're going to make mistakes along the way at times because he's perfecting you. But when God looks at you because Jesus' work is finished, you are perfect and holy and blameless. That's what I love about the story of Hebrews. He's telling us, hey, I get you. I became one of you to save all of mankind. I understand the struggles you go through. I went through them and didn't didn't give in to temptation, Jesus says. And so I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit to perfect you along the way. But you're good. Game's over. You've already won. I just need you to run and finish, finish the plays out. It's kind of what he's saying there. And I love a confident king. I love that, that Jesus sat down and made a footstool of our enemies. Just picture that. 
All that Satan does, all that the, the demonic realm does, all the, the antichrist uh, human beings and, and, and world dominions and, and people out there, Jesus just sat down confidently and stuck his feet on their head and on their back. I'm just waiting for it to be over while I keep saving people and keep showing them that they lose more and more and more. And it's hard sometimes, I get it. He did the job, the enemy's defeated. He's not still fighting, he's not still trying to figure out a way to win because he's already won. Yet it's kind of hard to grasp in, in our heads at times that waiting. Like, why can't you just finish him and we all just be done with the, the negative stuff that comes at us? And it's because in his patience, he wants more saved. Those of us in this room, those of us watching online or listening on the radio who follow Jesus and believe in Jesus, we have a mission. We're called to go and seek and save the lost just like Jesus did. But he, there, there's how many billions of people on the planet who are not saved right now. And Jesus wants those to all be saved. That's his desire. He didn't pick out a few. He didn't elect some. He chose to save all that would choose to let him save them. And so he's being patient in the meantime, but yet we still have enemies, just like Jehoshaphat's day. They, they were doing so many good things. And they'd been so, so, you know, so kind even to, to, to how they've lived uh, as God's people, and yet they have these nations that, that God chose not to annihilate when they entered the promised land, and they want to kill them all. And it's like, hey, what gives? I don't get it. Why is there so much evil? Anybody ever say that? In the last two years of our lives, right, especially? Why is there so much evil in this world? We look at Europe right now, Eastern Europe, and we're like, why? What in the world? It's hard. But at the same time, Jesus is like, I can save more. I can save more. So while my feet are on the enemy, he has no power. I still want to go and save more. And then one day the curtain will be drawn. And it will be over, over. It's over now, but one day it'll be done over. And we'll never have to deal with this stuff again. So even though there, there's, there's victory, we're still in process. We're being perfected. We're still called to be light in a dark world and, 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 and life uh, in a place where, where death tries to have its way. And the Holy Spirit leads us into all of that. So if God has a plan for you, for me, he had it for Jehoshaphat, he had it for, for what he wanted to do through Jesus, he, he, had, it, he, he had it for all, all the patriarchs in the, in the Old Testament and, and all the amazing men and women in the New Testament, if he's up to doing extraordinary things through, through me, through you, and even Jesus, he chose to, to, to set aside his divinity and come down here. He was, in so many ways, ordinary. Because he chose to set aside his divinity. He set aside his godness. I will live as a human being. I'm going to be an ordinary person like Jeremy, like Wayne Davis, like Martin Lawrence. I'm just going to be a regular person and live this life filled and led by the spirit of the living God in me. So if God has a plan and he's up to doing extraordinary things through you and me, Yet, there are major struggles we face in life 
personally or relationally or, or I'm just confused about the world around me. What do I do? Like, how do I do it? What do I do? Is often a question that we come to in some way, shape, or form in our own lives. I think the key is to take this story from Jehoshaphat, from the people of Judah, and follow that as a lifestyle principle. Prayer and worship and all that was in between is how we fight our battles. If I'm trying to fight my battles by going at lost people who are mean or, or, or unsaved people uh, who, who despise Christianity or, or going after a government that is kind of wonky or maybe really wonky, uh, if, if I'm living my life that way, I will never see victory that brings peace and joy and that living hope that we sang about. But if I fight my battles with prayer... On one side, all these amazing things that we're going to talk about in a moment in the middle and then worship as my warfare at the end. I'm going to see victories happen because I'm really not doing anything other than following a God who never loses. In Matthew 6, Jesus has the famous prayer that he gives us. He's teaching Sermon on the Mount. He's laying down so many amazing things and right in the middle, he pauses and said, hey, pray like this. A lot of us know it as the Lord's Prayer. And he's telling us it's not about saying the words exactly right. It's not about repeating lines like you're a recording. It's not about uh, looking so good in public and you didn't even, you, you pause perfectly at the pause moment. It's not about that. It's about overcoming in your life through the love, care, and grace of a father who loves you as a son or a daughter. But in verse 13, he does speak to there's evil in this world. And he says, as you're praying, pray, hey, keep us safe, God, from ourselves and, and from the devil. You're in charge, though, God. You can do anything you want. I mean, what I love about the Lord's Prayer, in essence, it's a kid coming to his dad saying, I honor you for who you are, and I'm so thankful for all the things you give to me, and I need you because I cannot do it on my own, and I don't want to. That's the essence of the Lord's Prayer. It's not about reciting it perfectly from whatever version you grew up reciting it. Because Jesus is telling us our enemy is not flesh and blood. Even if it looks or feels that way at times because of how people act or what they do, uh, their actions. Jesus says, hey, your enemy is the enemy that's always been the enemy. The one that bowed up to God. That's your enemy. And so Jesus shows us Hey, I, I've won, so all you have to do is tap into the one who's already won. You stay focused on the one who's already victorious. God alone, he's in control. And Jesus, he bought our redemption at the cross with his sacrifice and that final victory. His victory on, on Resurrection Sunday 2,000 years ago was final. It wasn't like, well, that was good. He dealt a death blow. Can't wait till the final victory happens. It's done, done. It's just one day the curtains will be drawn. His enemies are always going to be at his feet until they exist no more. Like He's like, you're a footstool now, but one day I don't even want that. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna wipe you away. But right now, I'm gonna rub my feet on you. So if we'll live out the approach of Jehoshaphat and the people, uh, because they were so key in this. It wasn't just one king telling everybody what to do. 
This is one of the most beautiful stories in the Bible about a community of people coming together to seek God and getting the answer and then even going above and beyond what God had given them to do. They just they broke forth in praise and worship. God didn't tell them to. It just came naturally from them. And they went from terror to trust in about that quick. This is how we fight our battles. I mean, he looks, he hears what's happening, and he says immediately that Jehoshaphat begged the Lord. He's like, uh-oh. One of those armies could probably wipe us out. Now there's two and a half of them? I don't understand the half one, but there, but okay. Maybe half the nation was like, they were kind of good to us. Let's not do this. And so they're still alive, right? But I love, oh, Okay. Setting the mood for going into prayer time here in a moment. But there's a a few principles I want us to walk through, and then we're going to have a prayer time before we battle in worship at the end here. At, At the very beginning of this whole story, you see them go to prayer, and it happens all throughout. Like it starts it, and it just weaves its way throughout every aspect of it. In verses 3 through 12, really it highlights that prayer And the essence of this prayer of helplessness is we don't know what to do, but we are looking to you. I love that. If you ever find yourself going, God, I don't know what to do. So I'm just going to look to you. You cannot go wrong. You cannot do better and you cannot go wrong. With that being your heart cry, your posture spiritually, even your face turned towards heaven. You cannot go wrong. The cry of a true believer in the darkest moments of life, in the hardest times, in the biggest struggles, even those struggles we may bring upon ourselves through some kind of boneheaded decision or choice we've made, the cry of the true believer should always be, Jesus, I'm at a loss, but I'm counting on you because you're always a come-through God. Jesus has never failed you. People can say, well, what about, what about, what about? Jesus has never failed you. He never will. He can't do anything but come through for you and I as believers. And if you're here and you've never made a decision, you're listening, you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, to have him be your Lord and Savior, he will never fail you. He will only come through and he is victorious already. So you're just joining the team that's already won, but the clock's still running. He will never fail you. So when you're at a loss, when I'm at a loss, and I guarantee you this, this is not a doomsday guarantee, but you will have moments where you feel at a loss. If you don't, I don't think you're living on planet Earth in reality. Okay, so we're going to have moments where we feel at a loss or feel a loss or something happens. Look to Jesus and go, I don't know what to do here, but you do. And you will always come through. And then we see this this humility and submission happening in verses 3 through 9. It's a beautiful response by Jehoshaphat and by the people of humility. Your God... You got it all in, under control. Even, even to the point where he, he, at one point he, he bows down. Where they kneel down. The whole nation comes together in this humble prayer. In this submission that you're in charge. We can't win this fight. Like 
Even if you give a strategy, there's nothing in our own power that can win. We, we've just, we're outnumbered. Now, if you watch Jurassic Park, they got more teeth, right? I watched it 75 times, uh, Jurassic World. They got more teeth, God, and I can't come up with more teeth. So you have to tell me what to do, and you will. Humility and submission. And then you see one of the greatest parts of the story, my favorite part, this just regular dude gets filled with the Spirit in verses 13 through 17. This guy named Jehaziel, probably standing there, maybe I'm thinking he's holding a, a two-year-old and he's got uh, a six-year-old and a four-year-old standing there and his wife's right there. And they're just standing there and they're listening and they're watching their king be very humble, but also very like lost and broken in the moment. And the whole nation is gathered before the temple and they're like, hmm. And all of a sudden the Spirit fills him and he speaks a word that becomes the word bringing the victory. He tells him, don't be afraid because the Lord will deliver you in battle. You won't even have to swing one sword to win this battle. Instead, let's worship him for who he is and watch God work. And then the power of belief rises up in verses 18 through 20. And, and the king says, you believe and you'll have the faith to stand. I don't know what standing means. He said, we're not going to have to swing a sword. We're not going to have to do anything. We've got we to gotta go up that hill and then we're going to stand. And I don't know what that means. But he's a God who's never not come through for you. So let's believe him and let's do that. And then we see the power of community which is why I love church so much. To me, this highlights the need in our lives for a church body that is Jesus-centered in everything, that, that lives out of the Word of God, that, that calls on the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us. Together, we speak different things. They had just one regular guy speaks out a word. It wasn't the king saying everything, but then the power of community said, hey, we're in this together. So they had a worship service, right? And then they said, hey, this worship thing's going so good. When they woke up the next morning, they're like, let's just put the singers in front of the army. Since we're not going to have to fight, obviously they won't either. Let them be our warfare. Let's let singing and praising to the living God be our warfare. Because he said we can't swing swords, so let's, let's, let's have words go out. Words about him, not at people, about him. Not at people, but about him. I think I'm speaking to myself right now. I think, uh-oh, oh no. Scott, it's not about people. I'm not speaking at people. I need to speak about God and to God. Okay? Because people are going to contend against you, and sometimes they don't even know why. But Jesus said, you will have that. Because I have that, and you follow me. So you turn to God if someone comes at you. Don't go at them. You don't have to fight this battle. And then we see... The beautiful bookend, you have prayer on this end and you have worship as our warfare on this end in verses 22 through 24. It reminds me of Moses when he, he led a captive Israel, captive to Egypt. They went out and they worshiped God and then God set them free and destroyed Egypt. You have Joshua who, who had trumpets blast in praise after they'd walked around in reverent worship silently around Jericho. All those times, and they blast in praise, and the walls blew outward when they blew up. 
You had Daniel who lived a prayerful, worshipful life. And as he's thrown into this lion's den, God delivered him because of his prayerful, worshipful life, not because he fought lions with his hands. You have Paul who's literally chained up in prison and just begins to, just begins to praise God and God literally shook him free, caused an earthquake that broke his chains. Talk about a breakthrough. That's a, like a literal breakthrough. And he's just worshiping God while chained up to a wall just because he loved Jesus. In this story, they, they pray, they plead, they praise. And then as they walk over a hill, they see, huh, now we get to go plunder. Not bad. When they finally got to that spot, it was just dead bad guys. And it took three days to carry off all the goods they got from it. This Jehoshaphat victory points all the way forward to Jesus defeating the enemy on our behalf for all time. That's at Hebrews 2, Hebrews 10. In fact, the whole book of Hebrews. Oddly enough, we're studying Hebrews 10 this week at Wednesday Night Live and on Thursday morning with the men. It's a crazy timing. No one planned it. I'm like, hey, wow. God, you kind of know what you're doing. So we're going to have a prayer time. We're going to have a prayer time. And you've got needs. You've got things going on in your life where you're like, I don't know what to do, but I'm going to look at you. I got this report. We're struggling in this way financially. We're struggling in this way in our relationship. I'm struggling in this way with my kids. It's hard at school, and I feel like I'm picked on just because I'm not one of falling into this. Work is difficult for this reason or that reason. The world around us is freaking me out. I don't know what to do, but I'm no longer going to be dictated by the things that are negative. Even though they're happening, I'm going to look to you. I'm going to beg you for help. I'm going to beg God, plead with God, ask God for strategy and, and for help and for strength and for encouragement, maybe for hope, maybe just for peace and grace in the midst of whatever you're walking through. That's what we're going to do right now. So I'm going to ask you to stand. In a moment, we're going to sing a song that actually is written out of this chapter that we read. This is how I fight my battles. But before we go into that song, we're going to pray. And so I'm going to ask the, any of the prayer team, uh, any of the elders that can come up, and maybe any of the pastors to, to come up here. You don't have to go to them, but they are here for you. You may, have, you may just go, I don't even know how to pray, so I'm going to ask somebody to help me pray. And you can come up here and let them pray with you. Just attach their faith to yours. Or maybe as we start praying, you just need to get up here. You just need to maybe fill the aisles Fill the front. Imagine if you were part of Judah back then. Every single person in the country, it seems to read, came to Jerusalem and stood before the temple. And at first they were like, whew, I don't know what to do. But they came. They put themselves in a place of reception to what God would have for them. If we don't put ourselves in place to receive from God we're probably not going to receive. Will he love us? Absolutely. Will he continue to move in our lives? Certainly. Does it change anything he thinks about us? No. But he's God. And he always comes through. So whatever you're going through, my encouragement is come forward. 
Come and get prayed for. Come and pray to God. Come and receive. See God move in your life now or maybe tomorrow morning or, or later this week or whatever it is. Maybe it's somebody so near and dear to you and they are so against Jesus and you're like, I'm broken because if they die, I don't want to live eternally without them. So God, you got to save them. Maybe that's your plea. I beg you to save my husband, my wife, my sister, my brother, my parents, my kids. I beg you because I don't want an eternity without them. So would you move? So I'm going to ask you right now if you would just if you, don't, if you wouldn't mind, just start coming. Just start coming down here. And, and I'm going to lead us in prayer. And I feel like the Lord gave me uh, a couple of words to, to speak over us as we pray. And then when we're done praying, we're just going to go into a song of worship. But I encourage you to come down. I know some of your health reports. And you need to come down. I know some of your relational situations. And you need to come down. You can have them pray with you or you can just go to, the, you can go to the altar or you can just stand up here. There's nothing magical about being here except maybe there is. I don't know. But maybe submission and humility is what you need to have be the big breakthrough in your life. Maybe this is the biggest breakthrough for you is I'm just going to put myself in that place. The king of Judah knelt. Actually, he knelt so much that he, his face was on the ground pleading with God and maybe you need to do that so I'm going to begin to speak these words and then and then in a moment I'm going to pray over us I'm going to ask you just to cry out just cry out and if you're out there and you're like I really don't know what to pray for just spend some time going Lord is there something in my life I need to plead for is there something I need to plead for right now because I want to honor you God I don't think any of us come here to check, bar, to check mark a box of, of good Christianity for the week. We come here to meet a living, loving God and have Him meet us. And our greatest act of worship is simply responding to Him. The greatest thing we can do on any given Sunday is respond to the Spirit of the living God. So I felt like the Lord said this from the story. This is how I fight my battle. Turn and face God, your dad. And in the same way that, that King Jehoshaphat said it, maybe you just need to say, I'm not sure what to do here, but I'm looking to you. To acknowledge that I can't, but God can. I cry out to you to save me. You will hear me and you will rescue me. I trust in you, God. Even Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, fell to the ground and said, I can't. I can't do this on my own. But I trust you. I don't even want to do this, Father. We planned this a millennia ago, that this would be the thing I would do to save all people. And, and I don't want to do it but not my will, yours be done. Maybe submission to what he needs to do in your life is what needs to be done to set you free and to break through in your life or in your family's life or in your marriage. I think we all need to cry out in the same spirit that Jehaziel had. Fill me with your spirit and speak through me. Speak to me through your spirit. 
maybe, Lord, I can't hear you and you need to, you need to fill someone next to me with your spirit and have them speak into my life. Or maybe I need to be the one to speak boldly and in encouraging words and, and grace-filled words, convicting words into someone's life. Use me to speak truth and use others to speak truth into me. I think a lot of us need to cry out, I believe. Help my unbelief. Already, not yet. I believe. Help my unbelief. And to know that we're not alone here. I need these people in my life. They need me. And then to end it with, in a moment with, ah, I praise you because you're God. Not because of every single thing I love that you do in my life that I'm, that I'm giving you a, a, a laundry list to do. I love you because you're God and I trust you to do all those things in my life. So Lord, I, I pray for every son and daughter up here, all the needs that exist up here, all the wants, all the broken, all the brokenness, the desires in people's lives. I pray those who are longing for a word of encouragement, of hope. You are the living hope. And we are born again to a living hope. So would you just download, drench them with hope today. A living hope. A living hope. A living hope. I pray for bodies to be healed. Cancer to be stricken from bodies. I pray for for hearts to be strengthened and no longer uh, in pain. Or, or in having sickness and disease. I pray you break the stronghold of, of sickness in people's lives today. Those who are struggling through health things that they've had for a long time, would you move and heal them and strengthen them? I pray for marriages to be restored to the dream you have for husbands and wives. I pray for families to be put back together. I pray for relationships with moms and dads and sons and daughters to be strong and encouraging and life-bringing in homes. And I pray that you would make yourself known personally to every son and daughter up here at the altar, everyone out there just seeking your face. I pray that you come through in those situations where we'd look at them with our eyes and say, there's not a chance, there's not a chance not a chance that that relationship's fixed. There's not a chance that this struggle gets made right. There's not, a, there's not a chance that medicine can help. I pray that you come through. Where there's not a chance, you show them. I beat sin and death without breaking a sweat. I can do it all. I can do it all. I can do it all. Without me, you can do nothing. But with me, the impossible can be done because I am the living God who fills you with my spirit. And I pray that we would be filled with the spirit, strengthened from on high, speaking words of encouragement and hope and life in situations where it's dark and where there's death and where it feels hopeless, that we would speak heaven, speak scripture, be the presence of Jesus in those situations. I pray for us to hear about miracles that took place today because of a living, loving God who still comes through. And I pray that we would learn more than ever before, whether we're the youngest believer in here or the longest term believer in here, that we would learn in a new way 
that it starts with prayer and it ends with worship as our warfare because this is how I fight my battles. Thank you for listening. For more sermons and full service replays, visit us online at hcfburnit.org. God bless and have a great week.